This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. working properly and our amazing guest today is Dominic Ashen okay let's talk about what we're drinking first so people can drink along so I decided oh our sponsor today is Skunk Brothers Spirits if you go on their website it's veteran owned DWA10 is the coupon code but I'm drinking wine tonight because I was feeling a little fancy Okay, their whiskey is very fancy too. So, oh my God, I'm just going to get myself in trouble. Okay, I'm drinking Pacific Rim Sweet Riesling, which got has a dragon in the background. But I'm drinking it out of a friend of mine who has a company called Designs for the Divine that's amazing. Made me a Michael Scott tumbler that says, you need to play to win, but you also need to win to play. Which, of course, doesn't make any sense. Jen, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Earl, uh, not even Earl Grey. It's a uh, chamomile, chamomile tea in a Jack Skellington mug. That is boring as hell. <laughs> Dominic, what are you drinking? Um, I've got uh, so it's peach vodka, orange juice, and pineapple juice. Uh, an old favorite and uh, something that masks pretty much all of the taste of the alcohol. That is super fancy. That's way fancier than mine. Uh, and, I'm, Very... and I'm drinking it out of this blue IKEA cup, so <laughs> super fancy. Picking it up you know, a notch. I do have other, I like, I have a different, this, this is just juice, but um, this is a plastic cup. So I'm super fancy. And a friend of mine bought me them because, and I quote, you break shit. I mean, can't tell. it looks like glass from here. So it does. And I pretend on most of the podcasts, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's plastic because I break things. Okay. So Dominic, for those out there that may not know, what do you write? Um, well, I write gay porn. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, okay. I should have been write... drinking when he said that. I should have known. <laughs> um, I write uh, male, male uh, romantic erotica, basically. That is, that is where my specialty is. Um, a lot of it tends to be kink-oriented as well. Very, very cool. And um, how long have you been writing? Um, I'd say off and on for six or seven years, although I really only got like, I guess, super serious about it, like two, three years ago. Okay. What made you decide to, okay. So where does the writing Genesis come from? What made you sit down and go, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to write some gay erotica. I'm going to do that. (laughs) Well, okay. So, so growing up, um, not a whole lot of gay content out there, uh, very few, very, very few things on television, uh, even, yeah, or sorry, very few things in books, even fewer things on television. Um, but I would try to, like, I would consume everything I could. I would go to the library constantly looking up authors I could find on the internet that had written things and trying to find their books. And almost all of them ended just horribly depressing. You know, someone gets gay bash, someone's partner gets gay bash, someone gets HIV, just really depressing stuff. And at, at a certain point, I just, I wanted to write happier stories so that there were happier stories. And I'm really happy that like there's, it's, that's not really an issue anymore. We have just 
hundreds and hundreds of stories out there that are that end much more positively for the gay couple in the end. But um, that that was the main reason. And the reason I got into porn is I spent a lot of time reading. Uh, I'm sure a lot of teenagers or former teenagers out there are familiar with having to hide porn on the computer from your parents. Uh, written porn is a lot easier to be stealthy with than other kinds of porn. So I would spend a lot of time on nifty.org reading all sorts of things. And I spent a lot of time in their authoritarian section, which is where all of the kinky stuff is and learned a lot about myself. So that's where the uh, specific path to what I write now is or came from. I, I think that's awesome. And I think that's very true as well, is that yay, that there's more stuff going out there and yay, that there's avenues for even more stuff to go out there. So it's not, you know, sad stories all the time. Right. So um, did you write when you were younger at all? Like what, what made you pick writing and not like movies or music? Um, Why didn't you go into porn yourself? I feel like that was the question. <laughs> Um, I was asking why the written word. <laughs> whatever, whatever. I guess I think I've, I don't know. I guess I think I've always been a little, at least a little funny or a, a little good with words. Um, it just sort of came naturally. I would have loved to be like an artist or something, but I don't have the patience to sit down and develop the talent. Arguably, probably the same for music or movies, but uh, writing just came a little more naturally. Um, I, I wrote a few, like I would write a few little silly short stories here or there. And then I'd say like like six or seven years ago when I started like picking up a, a, like my current moniker and, and posting stuff online, I would, it was like a, a handful of things I submitted to the Nifty Archive myself. Uh, but it wasn't until like two, three years ago that I was like, okay, I'm going to write a whole book. And so what is the first thing that you got published? Um, so Steel and Thunder is the first thing I got published uh, with the wonderful Four Horsemen publications. Um, but prior to that, I had actually posted two whole, uh, you know, quote unquote books online uh, via Nifty and Archive of Our Own. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was uh, it was sort of fun developing like a little audience with that. And I guess it, like I, I know I learned a lot of like... I, I tuned up a lot of my writing skill in writing those books, and I would very much like to rewrite parts of them and have them published in the near future uh, once the orcs stop taking up all my time. Um, but like, I, I really value the like posting things online and getting feedback and like developing your craft that way is is very useful, and I kind of miss it in some ways. No, I think the cool thing about stuff like that is it's instant feedback. And as you start to hone your craft and what's working and what's not working, it definitely gives you an avenue where, um, you know, you, you've had a different journey than some authors. We're going to get into that of getting feedback about your work, right? And sometimes you put a book out there and you're like, hello, is there anybody yeah. there? Like, <laughs> do, you, do you like it at all? No? Nobody? Okay, cool. Um, so let's talk about your present series. So Steel and Thunder, do a little, what is what is Steel and Thunder about for the audience out there? Oh boy. Um, okay, so I guess the short answer is it's about a human adventurer who gets captured by an orc 
uh, learns that he likes it and also that he might have some kind of magical destiny. Um, it, it's a, it's a, like, it's half fantasy adventure novel, half kinky gay erotica. Um, and it really do, like, it is a, a pretty even balance of the two, I'd like to think. Um, I, uh, so the character of David is a character that had been like rolling around in my head for a really long time. And I had used him in sort of like, a, like as a stand-in in other stories. And after I finished uh, Pinned, the second uh, finished story I posted online, um, I was thinking about what I wanted to write next. And I had had this idea for a fantasy story in my head for a while. Uh, and then um, I like, I was just, I was on Twitter one day and I, I, just saw some orc porn basically and like something struck in my head that was like filled in the blanks for the story that I had been missing and I just suddenly had like okay wow so I think I actually have a whole story going out here um originally uh I only had I guess the first two books in my head and then I was going to move on to something else but as the you know people I was uh, so I originally posted I guess the first half of Steel and Thunder probably online before I ended up getting my publishing contract. Ooh, uh, and um, as you know, I was getting more and more feedback as people seemed to be liking more, I sort of started to get more of an idea of like, I guess I like, what, how could I expand this story? What do I want to like, I knew I wanted to tell, like I knew there would be a sequel, but I didn't know what that sequel would be. Oh, also originally the first two books were intended to be one book, but that would be a really, really, really big book. Yeah, really long books, that, that yeah. would be a, That'd be that would be a tome. Like by yeah. definition, that would be a tome. Yeah. Yeah. Online, not a big deal. Web pages, however, physically not going to work. Had to split it in two. Um, but uh, I, like I, I'd say so. About before I finished the first book, I knew I had a, I had a I had a vague idea how the story was going to end, and then like halfway through the second one, I like. I knew how the series, like I, I had the rest of the story for the series basically worked out and was like, I, I have a lot of spreadsheets. I have a lot of spreadsheets. <laughs> oh my God. So we're going to go into that. I will say, cause um, obviously he's publisher, but also um, I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks because I do a lot of driving and then I listen to audiobooks when I'm doing my chores. That's how I get most of my books these days is just like that. And I have, to say there were so many times I was cracking up while reading the book and what I love what I loved about the book and you know it I'm I'm sure others will chime in on this but uh is that it is such a great fantasy story and not, not like sexual fantasy story but fantasy story this whole world is built and a lot of times when you read erotica, it's it's like the sex and everything else is kind of, it's there, you kind of mention it. It's like, there's a blue door, moving on. <laughs> like, it, but this had this whole genesis and it's just, you built an amazing world where these orcs live and stuff like that in the community. And it's, it's not what most people, including most people like myself that play Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> would expect of an orc. Like, Orcs are, you know, even Lord of the Rings, the orcs are all these like guttural, we will smash things kind of people. And that's not what you have in your book. Yeah, it was, I, I wanted, I, that was, so that is something that I've sort of never quite understood. Like orcs are always dumb. And, and like, and so in, in Dungeons and Dragons, you can't actually even play an orc normally. You can play a half orc. 
because orcs themselves are too brutish and dumb to like. So I, I just, why? <laughs> why can't we have smarter orcs? And I, I, I wanted to sort of turn that on its head. I, I, um, I tried to, I also like, I, I, I have been trying to incorporate like a lot of different fantasy conventions from, you know, uh, tabletop to uh, J.R.R. Tolkien style stuff. Um, and I, I, and including the sex along, like including the sex along with that was also just like, why can't I tell a story that is also this? So and I think that's what's brilliant about it because it breaks genres. I love it when genres are broken. I love things in genre. There are things that are great that are in genre, but I think um, for far too long, when you broke a genre, it was like this, like, oh it's this thing like let's just jump it under the couch like you broke a genre nobody's gonna go there and it does it so um flawlessly just fluidly does that exact activity and i think that's what makes it so incredibly popular too because another thing about you is you've been in the amazon top 100s and steel and thunder came out yeah <laughs> first thank you I'm, I'm so glad you feel that way about the book and yeah the success of it has been really really crazy i i like i think i'm occupying about four spots in the top 100 right now between the ebooks and audiobooks probably and it yeah. it I, there has not been a week where i think at least one has not been up there and i know that that is not normal for a brand new author it's um, because your voice is amazing can i ask you about that you wrote in first person present tense why <laughs> it's wonderful and it works so well but it's such like it's a different kind of story um so i i just i wanted the story to feel as though it is happening when you were reading it mm -hmm. and i want it like i i talk to myself all the time i don't know if everybody else does but i'm constantly in my own head and being in first person means i get to be in my character's head and get like they get to talk to you beyond being you know a narrator um and and I, like I said, I wanted the, it, it's present tense because I wanted to feel like so. This is happening to them at the same time you are reading it, so they are as surprised as you are, or or it feels as immediate to them as it does to you, and and it 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 leads to some interesting things because I tend I I break the fourth wall a few times, and I don't necessarily realize I'm doing it until after the fact, but I'm happy that it still seems to work. Yeah, it's that Deadpool Ferris Bueller. I'm showing yeah. my age right now. That yeah, <laughs> where you you're connecting with your reader every time because yeah. David is such he's an everyman. Like he he's a character that that readers just connect with because he's, you know, he makes bad choices and sometimes he doesn't <laughs> see clues and he's not great at catching hits sometimes. Like he just he's very real. <laughs> I love it. No, I think it's true. I think he makes a lot of choices that normal people would make, like the average person. I, I always think reading high fantasy, Jen, I mean, her read high fantasy, of course, Carly, you have too, like our whole lives. And one of the things that always drove me nuts about characters, like I loved Pierce Anthony's Zant series, talking about showing age right there, Jen. How about that? <laughs> okay. So good. But, I know. but his series made fun of all of the tropes of fantasy. Like a lot of his, that whole series kind of took cracks at the fantasy thing. There's not sex in it the way there is in your book, but um, I always liked it because I always thought it was ridiculous when characters are not flawed. Like when they always have the perfect thing and they're always doing this thing and they always do the right thing. 
Like, I'm like, hello, most of us would make sucky choices, then maybe come around to making the right choice and looking good, but they never talk about the bad choice that you made. If, if your character isn't flawed, they have no room to grow over the course of the book, and that's not very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, if, not to say that, you know, the more screwed up a character is, the more interesting they are, but it does sometimes work out that way. Um, and and uh, there's also a, I, like, I get what you mean when you, like, in high fantasy, there's a lot of things are, things just seem to be perfect for some reason for some characters with no explanation. And I, I want... <laughs> There you go, um, and I, I, um, I like. I've always like. I want my characters to, despite the f- fantastical setting, like I want them to react realistically and have realistic thoughts and feelings, and and things aren't just gonna work out because they're supposed to. They're gonna have to deal with their weird internal issues. No, it's true. Okay, so let's talk about your writing process because obviously it's character driven a lot of it. From what yeah. you're saying, so some 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 people can put their characters in the back seat of the car, like myself, and like we're going for this ride. <laughs> Everybody stay in the car. But there are other people, JM, for instance, that her characters are like, "Give me the keys." No, we're going. I'm like, we're going to do a thing. We're going to go, and we're going to. There's a dragon, and they're like, "No, we're going to lunch." Actually, there's going to be a sandwich and then a bar. And I'm like, "What is what's happening?" It's like I don't even drink. What is going on? I do, I do like a roadmap before I get started. Um, I generally, I usually, so I, I usually have the idea for what the basic like plot of the book is, and I'll, I'll write out what the the main story points are. Um, then I'll also write out like what are the what's the since the series is about David and Kazakh's relationship, that is one of the main focuses. What is the journey their relationship is going to take over the course of the book. How is it going to change or be affected? Uh, and then I also like to write out, are there any interesting character moments I want to include? Are there any uh, funny, like, are there any funny scenes I've thought of that might be interesting? Uh, and I'll, I'll try to make a list of all these things and then sort of order it out in the, ideally a chapter by chapter uh, outline for what I'm going to write the book as. Um, that said, once I actually get into each chapter, I do like to, like, I don't plan out conversations beforehand too much. I like to just sort of write them and then like, what would this character say to that? What would this character then say to that? And let that flow and then sort of see where that takes me. And that has a couple of times sort of led to me needing to change a few things later on in my plot outline, but that's fine. That's what that's for. Like, there's a, like a, it's not set in stone. It's just sort of a to help me stay on the guideposts. I think that's a lot of people can't use those at all. Like they write them, they do them, then they go out the window the moment they start clicking on the keyboard. I just had to get you in the car by telling you we were going to go somewhere. <laughs> we're actually going somewhere completely different. But your your story has a lot of names in it, like you know words that you make up. How do you come oh, up with God. those? Do you, where where do your inspirations come from um so 50 percent of those end up just being a placeholder text until i'm ready to send it out to beta readers or editors literally sometimes like in all caps it will be like placeholder name um and then so later i will go back and uh a lot of times it, it will be just pulling stuff from my like from nowhere 
Um, I like to use uh, like a fantasy language translators online, but put in random words and then take random, like I'll take that part of that word, that part of that word, that part, and that's my new word. So I'm not actually copying anything ideally. Um, and then like uh, sometimes if I'm if I'm basing something on maybe something more specific, I will try to look up like what's a maybe more clever word I could use for this or what's something related to this that I could hint at. Uh, but uh, coming up with names is the worst and I hate it. <laughs> Especially that's okay. Names. You're way better than somebody on this call that's every character would start with a J. Why I want to know. Yeah, like she's just looking for secrets because I played a D&D &D game where she was running it and every character, no, I'm sorry. It was a Wheel of Time game. It was very confusing because we'd run into NPCs and everyone's name started with the J. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, who the hell was Jarek? Like, who the, I remember. <laughs> and then she went, the name is Kara. I'm like, you're just going down the alphabet now. What are you doing? I, I remember so well, always never remembering any of my friends' characters' D&D names and always just referring to them as my friend's name. And it just... I just, I'm not going to remember, man. I'm sorry. I'm not good with names anyway, like as a human being. So as a writer, I'm even yeah. worse at it. I'm lucky I remember my characters' names once I figure out what they are. Um, in, uh, in my last book, there was a character whose name I literally could not decide on until I finished writing it and had to do a find and replace before I sent it to my editor. Because I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to name you, but I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. And it did. That's okay. I switch characters' here. names from chapter to chapter. It doesn't matter. It's moot. <laughs> That's what the editor's for. Just kidding. I'm so kidding about that. It's not what the editor's for at all. That just happens to be my latest Achilles heel is like, is, should his name be Bob or Sam? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to put them both in there and hopefully nobody will notice. It's okay. And you'll, and you'll have 53 of one and 55 of the other. And then, yeah, I know. I'm good at it. Shut up. I'm very well aware of what I'm good at. I don't need your judgment. Thank you, JM. <laughs> so um, one more question before the break. I'm going to let you do it, Jen, because you opened your mouth in which to ask a question. I saw that was the question mouth. Uh, I was going to ask about more about writing process. Like um, when you come up with your ideas, your, your rough outline, do you use a program for that? Do you just type it? You said you had a lot of spreadsheets. Um, uh, I love a Google Doc. Uh, okay. I use a lot of things in Google Drive. Also Google Keep, which is their little notepad app. Um, I frequently will just pull that up on my phone when I get like a, hey, I need to change something about a chapter. Hey, I have an idea for something in the future. Um, just jot it down on something real quick. I really recommend writers do that because it is so easy to forget something really cool you thought of. Um, and then uh, Google Docs makes it really easy to send out stuff to my beta, like I have a few beta, really trusted beta readers, so I, I send out every new chapter to them, and it's, it just makes it easy uh, to send it to them and to track changes and stuff uh, for free, you know, since other stuff is uh, typically costing money. Um, I really, I can't emphasize enough, like keep, keep notes, people, because you will thank yourself later. I do a lot of voice memos in my phone. I don't know about you, but Charles Gannon actually turned me on and I'm starting to play with it to this thing called Otter AI. 
Val used it um, a, like last week and she recorded, she had a long drive and recorded all the, uh, the ideas for one book on the way there and then all the ideas for a separate book on the way back and came home and was oh, like, wow. I have 15,000 words of stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that he recommended it because he says he sits and he talks to it. And so I haven't messed with it yet, but I was like, I have eight hour drives sometimes down to Florida. I could write an entire book on my way out to Florida. I'll probably have to edit lines. it, but it's pretty oh, good. Like I saw the document for it, and you can tell when she's like yelling at cars. It comes. To... I was gonna say I was wondering how many lines are just her cursing at traffic or something. <laughs> A few. Yeah. Those are my favorite texts, like voice to text, when someone's forgets they're in the middle of doing a voice to text and like is talking to a car outside. Like really? Am I invisible? <laughs> like why is my mom cursing at me? <laughs> For the record, you are invisible. But on that note, um, I've been in the car with Jen. For whatever reason, her car is invisible. It is a I put the thing. invisibility shield on, and I just leave yeah. it. Yeah, I think she hit the button sometime and just didn't know how to turn it off. But we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brother Spirits. Skunk Brother Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrotherspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunked. Okay, so we're back. So we're back. Let's talk about sex. Um, so you have a human having sex with an orc, which is, it's different, but I'm curious because you write erotica and I write erotica. Um, where do you, as far as the sex scenes and stuff like that, I mean, obviously we can say porn and this and that, but um, how do you go about creating those scenes and not having repetition and you know because that's the one thing about sex is there you can only say like throbbing member so many times there's, there's so many times like, you nobody wants that. to hear about the throbbing member move on like <laughs> uh, so, um so this might be revealing a little too much but uh i have experienced every sexual act depicted in my book from one side of things or the other myself i'm a fairly active member of the king community um and i'm also just kind of a whore um awesome. <laughs> um when i'm actually so so everything i write about is like i i can speak to how it happens i feel like which is a little it, it's different because I, I do feel like a lot of uh erotica sex scenes seem like they've been written from porn 
which is fine, but you know, it's it's different when I guess you've been there. Um, but so when I when I write them, I like to uh, I I sort of outline them in a like a I will write like sort of rapid fire single lines like then this should happen, then you know, then they should move to this position, then this person should do this. Uh, so that then I can later go back and expand on each of those lines, like in a full like paragraph, like how can I describe this in like the most erotic way possible that is unique and and then how does that lead to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, but I like that is one of the instances in which I do actually like to have, uh, I guess, a, a, a script almost just to block the physical scene in my head because there is you know so much movement involved. <laughs> No, it makes sense. I feel like if somebody has experienced it, you have the sensations described seem more realistic than when somebody's writing about something that's happening. And not that you can't be a good writer and you can't have a good imagination. And of course, you know, there's I'm sure some, you know, uh, you know, moms in Nebraska that are writing gay porn that do an okay I, job. I, I have it. I have read some wonderful gay porn written by women. <laughs> Yeah, but I think there is a difference when you're you're more in touch with the material, I should say. Is that a nice way to say it? Then when you're writing it and you're like, you know, sitting in the bleachers and, you know, you've, you've never had a rim job, for instance. Like, it's very hard to know exactly what that's like for... <laughs> I have also definitely read things that it's like, so you have no idea how the human body actually works. <laughs> also, there is an aspect of um, we all saw Brokeback Mountain, right? Oh yeah. When I saw the sex scene in that, all I could think of is, oh my god, that is so dry. That must hurt. Uh, the, there, are, there are just some inaccuracies for the way people jump right into things that I like. I know it's a fantasy, and I know we're just, like go with the flow, like get into it. But as a gay man who has had sex and has had you know the typical issues gay people can run into it says like oh no we uh, there's a cleaning clean a cleanup issue we got to stop or ow that's not going to work today um i can't get those out of my head so when those happen to scene in the background i'm like well damn that's not how that works <laughs> yeah no i, I th that's true trust me okay, it's, it's true it i don't think it's just gay gay porn that's like I've read erotica where I'm like have you actually ever had sex before that you wrote this book like ever because oh, that I, you get the Linda Blank parts like I, I I wish I could like there I remember there was like a something online where someone had screen capped some straight guy's erotica where he like had written this just awful sex scene about like getting a blowjob that made no sense and it was like have you ever had a blowjob sir do you well, know how the body works I well, that's uh, the, the, so my dad wrote a porno, right? My, my dad yes. wrote a porno. I was going to say, my dad part. wrote a porno is mm -hmm. a perfect example because it's his dad. He's obviously had sex at some point. Right? I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, though, when he described the woman's breasts as um, hanging pomegranates, I was, I was like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> it's his <laughs> just complete lack of understanding of anatomy. That but it, at the same time, like, dude's live in his life go for it and like you know argue, it, it, more successful than i am well he's more successful because his 
son started reading it on the internet, <laughs> not for any other reason. Uh, you know, I, I often say though, it's really funny to me because my dad talked. I don't, so I'm going to ask you this because my dad will introduce me to his friends and be like, my daughter, she writes, she writes my home on a whole island. Like he, like this oh, is God. a segue into a conversation. And I'm like, I also write horror stuff, Dad. I've like given you my other books. Nope, we're gonna go with this one. Okay, this is one we're going with. I mean, personally, that is still one of my favorite novel titles ever. Like, instantly caught my eye the first time I saw it. Um, sorry, can you repeat the question? I've had a little too much vodka. How do you deal with family reading your work? Oh. Yeah, let's, let's so talk about family. No one has yet introduced me as he writes porn. Uh, my mom and my sister have bought copies of all my books that I have asked them to keep in a box in their closet and never open. Um, I have I have basically instructed my family that if they do read it, please do not tell me because they're gonna they're gonna know stuff about me, and I would rather rather not know that they know that stuff about me. Well, take it from somebody who's experienced this and had my very wonderful, sweet, conservative stepmom go, "Yeah, I read it, and it's." It's really awkward to imagine that that was you, but I know it was. And I know that's exactly what everyone in my family would do. It's like, oh, so this is this is what you're, and, and like, so I'm not David. If anything, I'm I'm really both of the characters, like both David and Kazakh. But I know everyone is instantly going to think I'm David because he's the human, and I just don't. I don't need to look my aunt in the eye and know that she thinks that. Yeah. Wait till it's your dad's friends out at dinner and that's the conversation. And they're like, oh, you did? And I'm like, whew, this is so, shot. So, did you check if your sales went up that night? Yeah, no, totally. I'm like, <laughs> log in. Are any of the characters, the other characters based on people in your life though? Um, no one directly. Um, I, I, I've probably cribbed a few maybe mannerisms or, or quirks uh, here and there, but um, as of yet, there is no one who is directly based on anyone else. Also, uh, on the family thing, I do have one story. Um, after my mom bought my first book, she had left it out on the counter so that I could sign it when I was coming over uh, the following week. And my stepdad, not thinking, just like strolled over one day, sort of flipped it open. And the first word his eyes fall on is cock. So then he immediately closes it and just walks away and decides to, of course, tell me about it later. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. You're not gonna, you're not ever gonna want to read this stuff that no, 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 not for you. What about let's talk for a minute about fans because your fans love the shit out of this book as evidence in the series by its <laughs> rankings. Like, so let's talk about when you started getting fan interaction after it was published. Um, so, uh, so the, uh, the, I guess, so after it was published, um, I, I, I had already had a little bit of a fan or I had already had a little bit of an audience, I guess, via archive of our own. And so I was, I was, uh, thank like my, my Twitter grew. I mean, I, I don't have a huge Twitter or anything, but I think like I got a decent number, like the, it, it started growing pretty fast and it, it's been fun reaching out and, and connecting with them. I've gotten some like really great pieces of fan art from uh, a couple of people. Um, I need to be more active, honestly. I'm not that great at Twitter. I'm trying to get better, but um, I really love hearing from people and and hearing the way the story has like affected them or touched them. 
and like I, I love hearing ideas. Um, it's it's just it's great. So you've got fan art. Not a lot of um, authors, even well-known authors, can say, "Hey, people have sent me fan art of my characters." That's pretty badass. It's 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 trippy, and it's it's also like it's it's adorable. And I've posted a few of them on, I believe, my Instagram or my Twitter. If anyone wants to go look, um, it's it's so fun to see how other people interpret your characters. No, absolutely. What about um? People, you know, it's fun and everything, but has anybody talked to you about the impact it's had on them seeing a positive representation? Um, not exactly. Mostly it's that orc is really hot. Uh, I'm going to be writing the next book. Um, I have, I have connected with, like, I, I have met a few fans. Like I, I, like I have one, uh, one fan that I actually talk to, uh, almost daily now. His name is David. Hi, David, if you're listening. Um, He's, I'm he's sure you really, will, because you'll see that you're on here. <laughs> he's been a really like he's been a really great motivator, and and um, it's fun to bounce ideas off people like him. Uh, I I it's just, I just I really love that it my story is able to to touch people at all. Honestly, I I never expected this silly little you know porny story to to matter much to anybody. No, it, and it does. Jen, did you have a question? Not right now, no. No, is it? I just keep thinking about how funny it is. Like, how do you? All right, David's great with the one-liners and his little observations. Do you? <laughs> do those like come and you put them in, or do you just like do those on the spot while you're working through it? They're very much on the spot. Uh, part of sort of writing in the first person is I, I really do try to, like I, I start thinking as if I was that character as I am writing so that it, it is almost as if they are writing what I'm saying um, and it, it really just it's I'm the snarkiest person in the world in my personal life so it really it just comes up pretty easily like the first time I read that first chapter I was on a video call and I started laughing so much that I was reading parts of it out loud to them. Like we were all dying. It's one of the funniest <laughs> first chapters in a book that I've ever read. Oh, I love that. That's great. So let's talk about um, writing in general. So when you're when you're actually sitting down to write, what is your writing environment? What is what is that like? Describe it. Um, not that fancy. Um, I like so I write primarily on a laptop. Um, I like to sit it on the bar uh, outside our kitchen or uh, this uh, tall table outside, and uh, I do most of my writing standing up. Um, I'm a big pacer when I'm thinking through things, so I will, like, as I'm writing and then, you know, what am I going to say next, I'll start, like, walking around my apartment or walking around the patio, thinking through the next lines I want to write down, and then once I've got them down, I'll walk back over to the computer, type them up, then sort of repeat ad nauseum. Um, so I, I know the podcast is drinking with authors, but I'm actually more of a pot smoker, generally. Um, uh, especially like, so I've never really successfully written while drunk. I've gotten like half a page in and then gotten distracted or tired. Um, but marijuana has helped me through a lot of like writer's block issues, I will say. Um, when I can't figure out where I want to go in a story, I will get stoned and then just spend... 15, 20 minutes walking around thinking through the story problems and what I might be able to do with them. Usually with my phone in hand with Google Keep open so I can take any notes. Um, and it's, 
I, I mean, I'm working on book four now. It's working so far. No, did, very true. Go ahead. Did COVID affect you at all in terms of your writing? Uh, not really. Um, my day job is one that allows me to work from home, and I was doing that before uh, the pandemic hit, actually. So my day-to-day -day schedule, thankfully, was not really affected all that much. Um, also, I have a roommate, but they are very quiet, so I pretty much have an ideal writing environment all the time. Do you listen to music? I know you say you pace, but do you have music playing when it's... I do. I do usually like to have music playing uh, to mostly as background noise, um, because if I have anything, like if I have a show or a podcast or something, it can be too distracting because I'll try to focus on whatever they're saying too much. Uh, but music allows me to sort of wander. Is there a particular kind of music? That was Jen's question. She was going to ask you what your playlist is like. <laughs> Jen likes to go on YouTube and play like epic soundtrack from fantasy movies. If, like if I'm hours. a fight scene, you know, if, if there's like a, you know, a reunion, then I, I have like sappy love music. But I like the music to like reflect what I'm trying to have happen. So if I am, if I am thinking through the plot points of a particular scene and I like a fight scene, I will listen to like, I don't have a playlist, but I will start pulling up songs. I know that get me in that pumped up fight mood. Um, but in general, I have like playlist is all over the place. Uh, EDM, pop, rock, hip hop, a uh, little bit of country. Love Dolly Parton. Um, <laughs> And it's just it 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 just it bounces from one to the other. Um, I I I listen to just about everything. I know everyone says that, but I really do. <laughs> yeah, I can't listen to stuff. Well, no, I listen to Celtic music. Believe it or not, like fairy music. That's I listen to. It just hey, it's, if it puts you in the right headspace, go for it's it. Soothing, but I have started listening to a couple really dark playlists for my horror books, like really creepy shit and then i'm in my house and there's a point sometimes i creep myself out and i have to get up and fucking walk away because i'm like this is <laughs> creepy as crap i can't do this but what about writing in um bars or can you write in public places uh not really i have before when it was a necessity like i had to get something done and the only place i could do it was in a starbucks um but i do sort of prefer being in my space um if i've had like a guest staying with me for a few days i'm not going to get any writing done because i'm going to be too self-conscious about them being there uh, i i do generally like to be with me <laughs> no that makes sense okay you, so, go ahead i was gonna say are you a morning writer or an evening writer or does it just whenever it hits you uh evening writer because uh i usually need my adderall to kick in first <laughs> A uh, hardcore ADHD. Uh, not a lot gets done in the mornings unless I really sit down and force myself to. So, um, but once I once I get going in the afternoons and evenings, that's when everything starts coming out. Oh, that's very cool. So let's talk. You're writing book four, but you have other series coming out, correct? I have. I I I do. I am I am working on a few other ideas for series at the moment. Uh, I'm hoping to start the first novel in a series featuring werewolves after I finish book four. Don't have a name for you yet. 
but I'm working on it. <laughs> like same medieval time period, like fantasy. Uh, same setting, uh, same okay. same same world, same time period. I don't know that you'll necessarily be seeing any of the characters from Steel and Thunder appearing, uh, but the setting will at least not be entirely unfamiliar. Shift erotica, just saying. I mean, it's uh, it's it, it's very popular. I've read a very I've I've read a, a few good things myself. I would like to point out Bo Lake's uh, Wolves of Wharton series. That is, uh, especially the first one in that, I, I had a very good time reading. Uh, I, she also mixes genres very well, romance, erotica, and horror. Yes, yes. Yeah, she's Which awesome. is no easy feat, delicately, no. to do such things, you know? I Not agree. at all. OK. So we're going we're gonna to wrap up this podcast, but what advice would you give writers out there? Don't be hard on yourself. Uh, like just a first draft isn't supposed to be good. Just get it out of you and onto the page and then you can fix it later. Uh, you can always fix it later. You can publish a book and then fix it later. <laughs> I have learned. So don't worry about it. Very cool. And then, so the series is Steel and Thunder. Yes. The third one coming out is? Uh, Secrets and Spires, and that will be out May 30th, 2022. Very, very cool. And how do people find you if they'd like to, um, you know, hit you up on the, the social medias and stuff? You have a website, correct? I do. My website is dominicashen.com, and you can find me at domnashen on Twitter and dom.n.ashen on Facebook and Instagram. And you have a Patreon too, where people get sort oh. of super secret stuff, right? You got to do this James that. Uh, you on Patreon, I write uh, once a month. You can get a world-building article that expands on Terra, the the world Steel and Thunder is set in. Um, I also write a chapter of a short story set in the Steel and Thunder universe, and then there you get a, a second erotic story uh, every month if you subscribe to that tier. Um, my Patreon is patreon.com slash dominication. Very, very cool. Everybody should check it out, guys. If you're listening to this podcast, regardless if you think this is something I'd like, I can pretty much guarantee you're going to like it because regardless of what kind of fan you are, it is just a phenomenal story. It is absolutely... He's going to suck you in. Okay, that is not appropriate. Like, <laughs> that was the wording you decided to use? I mean, exactly. if, if you've read my book, it is not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very true. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance Mikola. This has been Jam Pet. Our amazing guest has been Dominic Passion. Our sponsor has been Skunk Brothers Spirits, DWA10. I said that correct